See brown in your face. Have you heard of everything at once? Do you know about everything at once? It's internationally known. Aliens listen to it. It's the best. <laughs> if there's something you're looking for in the 814, or feeling a little bored and think there ain't no more, ain't no check more. out everything at once and allow it to be a source. It's that raw podcast that's always showing support. Highlighting the scene. No need to take I-90 to peep or 79 to see how it be. Interviewing your locals with mindsets that are global. Innovators and creators on every single upload. So much going on in the EPA. Everything at once will keep you up today. Amazing guests. What you doing? Come through and hang with Tony and Dave. Community driven. Bringing everything at once from around the way. Everything at once from around the way. Hey. Please listen. We love you. <laughs> everything at once. Everything at once. We're this, fucking pumped. We're pumped. We're so pumped. We're so amped up. We're for, so ready. We got what you need. We know why you're here. You wanted to tune into another episode of Everything at Once. Let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> this is the best podcast in on, Erie. In, in Erie, brother. Probably Pennsylvania. Probably. Quite possibly the world. The aliens think it's the best in the universe. I'm not sure. Brother, it's the best in this universe or any universe you can find. All those alternate universes as well. But before we get into the show, we first want to thank all of our Patreon producers. Brian G, Josh W, Ian D, Nick G, and Sadie M. Patreon is an awesome way to support this show and say thank you to us. You can become a Patreon supporter by clicking the link below and choosing to be an intern, assistant, or producer-level supporter. That's right. For a mere $5, you can be an intern and really help us grow and expand and continue to bring you that incredible content that you all know, love, and deserve. We now want to also shout out all the businesses that sponsored this episode. These local businesses get the Everything at Once stamp of approval and are critical members of the Everything at Once community. We couldn't do without them. First, we want to thank Cauldron and Thorn. Cauldron and Thorn is the world's largest witchcraft store. They're huge. They're gigantic. And they offer a conglomerate of crystals, books, ceremonial supplies, incense, herbs, oracle and tarot cards, and self-care items. It's a real grocery store for the soul. Located just west of the Colony Plaza on West 8th Street. They're open seven days a week. Or 24 hours online, actually, and 24 hours online at cauldronandthorn.com. That's right. We And we also want to thank one of our new sponsors, Solid State Construction. Solid State, State takes pride in all home remodeling projects. Solid State specializes in bathroom remodeling, kitchen renovations, window and door installation, custom design work, and more, including painting, flooring, dry, drywall, siding, and decks. Get a free quote by calling Nick at 814-397-7854. Solid people, solid product, solid state construction. Got a problem with your car? Tommy's Automotive can take care of it. That's right. Tommy's Automotive can take care of brakes, exhaust, fluid changes, spark plugs, and all other maintenance needs. Tommy's Automotive also does fluid film undercoating. Book your appointment today. Call Tommy at 814-384-8088. And finally, we would like to thank Details by Phoenix. Has your car been looking like death lately? Well, help it rise Rise from from the the ashes ashes with Details by Phoenix. They will have your car looking brand new. Those automatic car washes never do a good job. So save yourself the headache and the hassle and bring your car to Details by Phoenix. Schedule your car detail with Phoenix by calling 814-981-0862. And now, what everybody's been waiting for, our next guest, Jen Dennehy. Jen Dennehy is the Community Outreach Programs Director for Daphmark Dance Theater. It's incredible. It's a great organization. They're doing some really spectacular things. You guys are going to love this episode. We learned a lot about dance and about dance theater and all the things that are going on, and we hope you do too. And if you don't know how important that dance is as part of the arts and culture and education, 
for the youth and for anybody in this community. This is an episode you want to check out. We learned so much that we didn't know before. Jen is extremely knowledgeable, and uh, we're very grateful to have her on. That's right. And With, now, without further ado, Jen Denny. <sighs> Jen, we are super excited to have you here today. Thanks for coming out to hang out in Everything at Once Studios. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm excited to be here. Um, I am a performing artist, dancer, teaching artist, um, choreographer, known as a hula hoop person, um, fire performer. Um, is, that, is that what you still call it? Or is that what it was called? Um, I mean, we had a group, but uh-huh. that, no, that's not. Oh, okay. My business is Kinetic Creativity, Enabling oh. Dance for All. Okay. okay. And then um, I'm the Community Outreach Program Director at Daphmark Dance Theater. Amazing. Awesome. So how did you get into dance? Have you always been a dancer? Um, So that's a funny story. I started dancing at three years old, and it is because my older sister came home from kindergarten crying because she was very uncoordinated and couldn't skip. Oh, no. So, she, like, this went on for, like, a long time, I think months, and my mom, like, was losing it. Like, I don't know couldn't what to do. Skip. Yeah, and she was devastated about it and would come home crying from school. So my mom went to the gym teacher and said, how can we help her to build some coordination? And the, the gym teacher said well, you should probably put her in dance. Mm-hmm. So they sent my older sister and me. To so dance I, class? Cool. Yes, and I thank my older sister for her lack of coordination, for me being able to find my passion. Family's <laughs> the best sometimes. Yes. <laughs> That's so cool. That, that must have been really difficult. I couldn't imagine not being able to skip. It's in. actually a really challenging skill. To learn? Um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't been learning to skip in a long time, so I guess that makes sense. Well, that I, I didn't know how to skip either. When I was in high school, we did a, like a Spanish version of Little Red Riding Hood. We had to shoot a video for Spanish class, and uh, I was Little Red Riding Hood, and I couldn't skip. So I understand your sister's uh, pain trouble. There. Do you know how now? No, I never learned. It was funny because... <laughs> Because I, I was bad sometimes. I'd cut out of class and, you know, leave school. And the principal or the dean, the one day she was watching us shoot. And, like, later that day I left school. And the next day I saw her. And she was like, so how was skipping yesterday? And I was like, oh, I'm in trouble, you know? And I was like, oh. She was like, I saw you shooting your video. You look like you're having trouble. Oh, not yeah. skipping class. Not skipping class. Like, like but that's what you definitely thought. Yeah. No, I never learned. <laughs> Well, if you need some assistance, I would be happy to help. Awesome. I'm going to take you up on that. Okay. Nice. So where did you, where, did you go to a dance class school that was st- that is still around? Um, I grew up in the Buffalo area. Okay. So you're so not from here originally. I am not from here originally. So cool. I went when I was very little to Carol Joy's School of Dance in Buffalo. Mm. Um, and then gratefully, my parents moved us uh, when we were not, when I was about, I think, nine to a new studio, which was Darlene Siglia's Dance Project. Okay. Um, so that's where I grew up dancing and I trained in ballet, modern, tap, jazz, um, and then hip hop kind of started coming out as well at cool. that time. Did they, so. did, is that dance school still around? Um, yeah, and I actually go back often, most summers, as long as it works in my schedule. She has me come back as a guest artist to teach her students. Oh, sweet. That's awesome, yeah. So hip-hop is just getting started. I feel like that was a probably an interesting time for dance. Well, in studios, when it first came into studios, it was, like, taught by, like, ballet dancers and, Mm. like, jazz. So it wasn't, like, culturally connected. Um, So it was very very much not, like, not street dance hip-hop, which it should have been. So who who can I look at as far as, like, musically for hip-hop around that time? Like, hip-hop dancing. I'm thinking, like, Backstreet Boys choreography. Yeah, kind of like, I would say that's kind of like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it was all, like, really bad top rock is what I would Okay. Compare it to now. I'm yeah. thinking. I'm thinking the Fly Girls from In Living Color. I don't know that. It's like Jennifer Lopez, where she got her start. Hmm. It was like. Very... But she's actually tied to culture. Like she, <laughs> I That's feel like true. she probably actually did some street dancing. So. Uh-huh. And that was big when like break dancing and stuff was coming out too, or during that time. A little bit different. So break dancing is street dance. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that came out like 
breaking the movie and all of that, like the 80s. Okay. Um, I was born in 84, so I wasn't doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it started, so hip-hop started getting into the studio. They tried to monetize, like like a lot of white culture does. We monetize other people's cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was what was happening initially. I feel like now at least most places have hip-hop taught by somebody who comes from the culture and grew up doing street dancing, which is what it should be. It's a very popular form of, like, dance and exercise now. Like, I see a lot of places that offer, like, hip-hop dance exercise classes or, or, you know, instructional classes. Yeah, it's a great workout. Is it, like, one of the more popular forms of dancing now, you think? Um, I think probably within society, yeah. And, I mean, Red Bull's big, they do their, like, big competition every year, and it's all around the world. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of street dancers who are incredible. Cool. Yeah. And do you think it makes a difference learning that, like, on your own versus in a studio with, like, a, a teacher? Or do you see that often? Um, I think having a teacher is really valuable, but sure. having a good teacher is the valuable part, right? Because right. there's a lot of dance is not like something that's regulated. Mm-hmm. So you could start a dance class tomorrow sure could. in a studio in a room. And, you know, if you are magnetic and people want to come take your class, like that's great. But they might not realize you're not a trained person, right? Mm-hmm. So being aware of like what makes a good dance teacher, making sure that it's in a safe environment, that it's not on a concrete floor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can learn things on your own as well. I mean, that's what a lot of street dancers have done over the years and right. they pass that down within their own, mm-hmm. um, ways. So there's different ways of learning. It doesn't sure. always have to be in like a formal space. And I feel like a lot of people that are into dance start in like ballet or gymnastics and kind of progress do you think that uh you see like more of that influence starting to break into hip-hop so i'm not a professional hip-hop dancer so i like can't speak (laughs) in that capacity like i'm trained in ballet modern tap Mm -hmm. jazz some african some hip-hop creative dance right prop manipulation sure that's my specialties okay yeah so where would i find the the differences between ba- ballet or modern and hip hop. What do you think are some of the characterizations that make them different forms of dance? I mean, it's just like music. Oh, right. It's the different styling of things, but you can see uh, similarities within a lot of forms of dance as well. Yeah. So, and a lot of it's in history, right? Like knowing when they started, the history of things, and mm-hmm. people that are teaching an art form should know the history of the thing that they're teaching. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely important to have that background and to have that knowledge to be able to share why I feel like the movements have like certain purposes or reasons, you know what I mean? Why you do certain things or how it was come up. And I think that history is probably really important. Yeah. Yeah. I think history is tied to it, but the purpose and the meaning, I think it depends on what, what the dance is, what you see dance as. So I see dance in two different ways. Okay. There's dance as entertainment, which is what a lot of people think of for dance. Like, Oh, they did 15 pirouettes and their leg goes up like this and they're a contortionist and Mm -hmm. look at that cool trick. Right. That's one thing. Um, but then dance's art to me is something else, which is that it has meaning, purpose, and intention is not necessarily, you could be technically very talented, mm-hmm. but it's not solely based on the technique, but that it's about why the messaging and why you're doing this dance and what it's about. And to me, that's like the, my heart space. And that is why I dance. Yeah. A lot of people in the community see me performing and entertaining, which is that has its place too. me putting a smile on kids faces sure. is beautiful, but me making you stop, think and question what is happening in the world through what we do at like death Mark. Mm-hmm. That is more important to me. I feel, I feel like any good art, does that it like shuts off all the um all the all the all the fuzz all the sound you know and just gets you back in tune with yourself as a person right and i think there's a really strong message that makes you think more when you use things outside of normal bounds of communication like talking like i could say something to you but if i communicate it through like movement and motion i think that has a a completely different impact or a different level of understanding when you can see somebody dancing and convey an experience or a emotion or um, whatever it is the dance is trying to communicate. Yeah, it's just a different language. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that to me like dance is my most natural language like yeah. actually speaking and chatting with people like that didn't come naturally to me mm-hmm. I was a very shy quiet kid like I, I would rather dance on stage for a bazillion people and would <laughs> not give like that wouldn't bother me at all but mm-hmm. like public speaking has been more of a challenge for me okay. um, which I find just interesting that my natural language is movement yeah and I feel like a lot of people would be the complete opposite you know right. what I mean like you want me to dance in front of a bazillion people up on a stage like that sounds absolutely horrifying to me personally. I mean, maybe I would, I would, I don't know. It would be hard to like even come into that situation. I wouldn't know what to do. I feel like so many just not like, I'm just incredibly uh, fascinated by all of the arts. And I I feel like I've seen like a, a strain of that with, with, with all artistic types there are a lot of them like i've watched famous musicians who are like i could be on stage in front of fifty thousand people and play a two-hour set but if you wanted me to talk to them yeah i would just freeze up or like you know you get like a stand-up comic who can tell jokes for hours but if they're talking about something serious it's just like oh i'm so terrified i can't do it i've always found that to be super interesting how you know because to me i agree with tony like I have, we talked about the skipping. I have like the worst rhythm on the face of the planet. Like getting on a stage and like if the podcast was like, if Tony was like, Hey, we're going to do a podcast where we dance. I'd be like, please uh, ask someone else. You know, (laughs) I'd be terrified. I wouldn't be able to do it. You're not going to bust a move. I mean, I don't know if you want me to bust a move. (laughs) I can dab. I can do like the disco and I can't do that well, you know, but like I try. Yeah. Hey, you got it, corner, you know, down and up. Like, yeah. <laughs> got, it. got it figured out. And I feel like music is such a big part of dance, too. I mean, it can be, but dance, um, dance can be done with music. It can be done in silence. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see a lot of that? I mean, it depends on what where you're, you're going to sure. see. Yeah. Out in the community, probably not, not for entertainment purposes, um, but for more creative, um, artistic. Yeah. exploring you dance companies. Yeah, I would imagine there's a lot more of mm-hmm. that happening within those settings. Right. So it would be... I feel like dance could really be like classified into like any movement, you know what I mean? I guess I see a lot of people maybe dancing to silence to themselves like in the streets that maybe don't realize they're dancing, you know what I mean? I might just like strike a pose. Is that a, Would that be dancing, you think? <laughs> <laughs> You're getting very like out here about what dance is okay. and defining that. Um, I mean, if it means something, I don't know. I feel like things should be done with intention. Like you could be bouncing around. Like we all move every day, right? Like sure. everybody's capable of movement, mm-hmm. and pedestrian movement can be put into dances. Like that is often, like in the piece we did this weekend, like this represents like the joy of a flower, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's simple movements um but yeah i don't know maybe i mean i bop down the street but i don't know that many people are dancing down the street yeah so <laughs> would you, oh sorry go ahead i was just gonna ask more about the the show that you guys just had um so Daphmark dance theater is the oldest professional dance company in the city of erie oh, wow. um it has been in existence for 32 years and it was founded and is still ran by Daphna and Jean-Marc Bayer. Hmm. Um, she's originally from Israel, and he is from France. And they ended up here in the 80s running the dance department at Mercyhurst okay. and then decided to stay after that um, and start Daphmark. Mm-hmm. So um, she has an extensive background working with some of the most famous choreographers that have ever existed within the modern world. Um, because many of them visited Israel. That was the process. And she was the rehearsal director for Elvin Ailey, um, worked with Martha Graham. So she just has this rich history and through that experience created her own language with the movement. So I ended up um, finding her in 2010 after I had blown out my knee. Um, I wasn't able to walk January 1st, 2010, got up out of bed, couldn't walk, had to have knee surgery, had to relearn how to walk. I was trying to rehab my leg, trying to find classes that could help 
I was trying to like yoga. I don't really like yoga. Um, but I would go to all different kinds of classes, all different teachers, all different styles. And I was telling a lady next to me, I'm like, I'm trying to rehab my leg to build strength and flexibility, but I'm just not feeling the yoga thing. And she's like, have you ever tried Death Mark's exercise class? Hmm. And she teaches an adult movement class. And all of these people, for the most part, when they started then and still now, were much older, but in great shape. I'm like, okay, there's something here. Mm -hmm. And so for a few months, I took that class, and I loved it. And then I... They said, oh, we're having a show this weekend. So I went and saw a show. Didn't I'm not from Erie, so I didn't know about them. And I was just so like in awe that this was here in the city. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I don't have family here. There's no other connections for me to be here. They are a huge reason of why I chose to stay in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, they invited me to start dancing with the company at that point. And I have been with them for 11 years since. Cool. That's incredible. Yeah. So... Has it always been in the same location? It has had three different locations, but it's been where it's at for, I'd say, at least 15 years. Oh, maybe. my goodness. Um, it used to be above where, like, uh, on State Street, where, like, Park Sherlock's was. Mm-hmm. That, I think, was the first location. And then, do you know where PACA is? Oh, yeah. It was right next store above that light fixture store. Mm-hmm. And then it moved to where we are now. Cool. Um, I feel like I've never really noticed it very much until recently, which is a bummer because I like to consider myself a, an enjoyer of the arts, and I've never been there. There's so many hidden gems in Erie. Like, for people that say there's nothing to do in Erie, they're really not looking super hard. I think that's true, and there's a couple pieces to that, like to both the things both things you guys said. Um so one of which is, like you said, you just never noticed it was there. Right. Um, and I don't think you mean the building. I think you mean Daft Mark. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons, I think, is ties back to education. So when we were in school, 91% of kids are exposed to music education in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason most people love music. Mm-hmm. It, we might like different styles, but there's like it moves you, right? Because sure. you have a base of understanding um, that is presented to you when you're young. And even if you don't pursue playing an instrument, you still have a, this connection, right? And 87% of youth have access to visual art education at some point where they get to draw and paint and have that. And again, you might not pursue it very far, but you have a base knowledge where someone's like, hey, this is how you look at art and this is how we talk about art and we're comfortable in those spaces. But then it drops off really dramatically. Only 4% of kids have access to theater in school at all throughout the United States. And 3% have access to dance. So if you're never exposed to it, if you don't feel comfortable, you don't even know what you're looking at or how to talk about it because you are, have not been presented with the techniques, it doesn't feel like safe space, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a little, it takes a lot more courage to walk into that because you really don't know what's going to happen. Right. And it requires a curiosity um, of knowing what is happening. I have, I have a two-part question. It's kind of a little heavy hitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do, do you think, I was thinking about this before, before the show. Do you think that that dramatic drop off is because of like the, uh, like the stereotyping that like dance is more for girls? Like at a younger age, um, I feel like when I was growing up, like the, like the, the traditional forms like ballet or, or I guess ballet, like both my sisters ballet, did tap. ballet, tap, like not that, not that but boys didn't But the most famous tap dancers are male. Yeah, like Gregory, Gregory Hines, Hines, Maurice yeah. Hines, yeah. I just feel like, you know, there's like, I hope it's different now. I mean, I don't have any kids, so I don't really know how it is. But I remember when I was growing up in like the 80s into the 90s, there was like a definitely, you know, boys play sports, girls do cheerleading and dance. So but do you These are things that adults impose on children? Right. Sure. So we we decide we're going to put them in bubbles. We decide this is what they want and it takes a different adult to say no. All children will like this. Mm -hmm. So as a teaching artist through the Pennsylvania Council on the Arts, I go into schools and I teach math, science, English, and social studies through dance education. Hmm. So that 
isn't limited to just girls. Like we all need to all learn those things, right? Right. Um, so I'm teaching these things to boys, girls, it doesn't matter. And even with the hoop dance programming, when after school programs have me, they're like, oh, the girls will like this. I'm like, don't limit it because you don't know. Because there's some really amazing things that come. And some of the male hoop dancers are actually technically like just better at certain things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's often adults that impose those things on the idea of it. And I think there's less adults doing that, but it still does happen. Right. Because I don't want to... I don't want to take away from any of the other arts because they're very important. But, like, to me, dance, I don't know how you blew out your knee. Was it dancing? Um, I think it's a – my knee has been problematic since I was 17. I've had arthritis. Okay. Because I I was going to say – No, I grew – I just woke up one day and couldn't walk. (laughs) So what happened? (laughs) Well, no, the only reason I was asking is because, like, dance takes an incredible amount of athleticism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's such a good workout for you, like you were talking about, you know, the uh, exercise class you took. So I feel like that's even more of a prudent, maybe, art class to take than some of the other ones because you're getting physically engaged, which is good for your physical health, as well, as well as your mind and your body and, you know, your spirit. Yeah, it's all of those things. But I also think, especially for little kids, I think every little kid should be put in dance just because learning how to control your body in space is kind of essential in life. Like right. yeah. we, we talk about little kids not being able to sit still at their desk or like always touching each other, but a lot of them just really have a lack of awareness of their space. It's not that they're trying to be in anyone else's space. They just haven't learned how to do that. And I think dance is really good at providing that to people. It's just this general awareness of your body. Cool. I think that, that stigma is definitely keeping a, a lot of little boys from doing it, you know, and it's really unfortunate because I think I, I completely agree that dance is a valuable skill in many aspects of life outside of just performing an art or, you know, gaining that athleticism and that awareness is so crucial for so many people and you end up with people that can't skip. Hey, take it easy. Take, ah, it, easy. take it easy. There's got a lot him. of things that I can't do. <laughs> All right. Skipping is one of them. All right. No, and not that that's going to deter you probably from any other life event that you're going to pursue right now, but it's. I still think that knowing that how to move your body is really important in many different assets. I think it probably prevents a lot of, would prevent a lot of injuries, too, in the future, having that awareness of you know, your surroundings and being able to react to the way your body's moving and momentum and all the things that go into dancing, especially with like partners and stuff like that. Like all the, all the momentum and the shifts and the weight changes in your body and balance. It's all physics. It's all physics. It's a big math problem, except with our bodies. Yeah. But I think not, it's not just the boy girl thing. I think the other, uh, reason for the lack of value, um, like if, like I said, if you're not exposed, then you're not mm-hmm. going to pursue it. So then there's less funding coming in. There's all of that. It's like a downward spiral. Right. But also our society at large um, likes to do this to people mm-hmm. and value what's here. Right. Yeah. And this is not valuable. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a it's a different issue. It's not just a male-female thing. It right. is definitely like what we hold as valuable in society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like the physical side of things, it's like if you're not the top 1% of, like, world-class, like, athlete, dancer, whatever, then it doesn't, like, like you said, nobody really cares what you do physically. Even in the dance world, if you were the top 1%, most people wouldn't even know who those people are. Yeah, so. right. Okay. Yeah, and I, I feel like uh, the competitiveness is often overlooked because I feel like that's such a huge draw for any sort of athletic, like, competition, whether it's sports or anything mostly sports i guess is that competitive draw you know you want to be able to beat and you want to be able to compete against other people and show you're the best and while those things exist in dance i feel like it's often overlooked or not really seen as a competitive sport when i think it very much can be in a lot of situations i mean it can be but i think that often produces that i can do 15 pirouettes my legs up to here but i don't know how to be an artist Uh so there's value, but there's also like something lost in that process. If that's the only way that you're experiencing dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I know that it's, I mean, it's a, it's a spin on it. No pun intended, but, uh, I was always fascinated as a kid with, with the, uh, figure skating, like when we come on the Olympics and all that, I'd say that was probably like 
besides seeing it in movies or whatever, like my first introduction to, to dancing or, or dance motions, I guess you would say. I always thought it was fascinating. Like, I wish I could do stuff like that. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. And I think that it's often overlooked and it's unfortunate that it's not as valued as much um, in society as it could be for a lot of people and not seen for the, the good things that it offers to people and being able to express and create emotions because, um, you know, a lot of people, I feel like stifle those kinds of things and don't have a good outlet. And I think the more outlets that we're able to provide to like youth and to people in general, the better our society will function at large. Yeah. And there's also the idea that like, if you're not great at it, like you guys said, you would not be comfortable getting up and dancing. Right. Yeah. Um, but we have these ideas of like, Oh, dancers are only people that are professionally trained people mm -hmm. and it's all bodies are capable of dancing. And it's one of the reasons, another reason I love Daft Mark is 22 years ago, well before I was ever even in the city of Erie, um, they started a program called Partners in Dance with mm -hmm. Erie Homes cool. and it's their longest standing community outreach program. Um, where they teach dance to adults with physical and intellectual disabilities mm -hmm. twice a week at Erie Homes, and then they perform for their families in the spring. Aww, and so incredible. for the last nine years, I've had the privilege of teaching that program. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's really important to understand that dance is for all people. It doesn't matter how old you are, what you look like, your socioeconomic status, like none of those things should be limitations for why you do or don't have access to something. Right. And I think that that also is something that is frequently overlooked as far as dance goes is that you don't need like if I was going to go play football I have to buy all of this equipment you know what I mean and not to say that there isn't things that you need for dance but it seems like the barrier to entry is low to lower to be able to learn you know what I mean um, it should be, yeah. but I don't think that's the reality. Dance is actually a fairly expensive thing to get into. Mm -hmm. Costumes for the, like the traditional dance studio style structure, um, is very much about buy this hundred dollar costume that your child's going to wear one time in these shoes that their little feet are going to grow, you know, in and no time yeah. in the year to, you know, so it might seem like it's an inexpensive thing, but it's not. And then if you get into the competition style thing, then all of that costs a lot of money as well. So that's one of the things um, I was raised. We didn't have a lot, mm -hmm. um, but my parents were really, um, they did something really smart. Um, they bartered in trade for us to have dance lessons. So we cleaned mm -hmm. the studio every year of my life from when I was three till I graduated high school mm -hmm. wow. so that we would have access to dance. And I did do some of the competition things as well um, and had to raise the money and do all of that because we couldn't have afforded it otherwise. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the reasons I'm a huge advocate for dance being available for all people mm -hmm. and people not having to pay for it. And like even my hoop students that you've seen perform with me in the community, I provide their costumes. They do not buy costumes. I don't think that should be the limitation around why we can or can't do something. Absolutely. Even the shoes, like all of it, like they're not paying for any of it. I, w I feel like, you know, um, it's one of those things that like, like a, like a classist sport or a thing like skiing, like skiing, yeah. elitist, like skiing, hockey, those things that cost a ton of money. And like, you got to be able to envision yourself as a kid as it being something that you can do, like having, um, uh, people that look like you that came from where you came from so that you have the hope to do it. At least when I think of like traditional dance, like ballet or, or jazz or tap, you know, it's like in a theater with like people in very well-dressed suits. Like it's a very like, you know, pricey ritzy type event. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine that, you know, if you come from like a low socioeconomic standing, that that's just something that couldn't seem like a reality as a child. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, it just needs to be accessible to all people. And it comes from within the culture, too, right? Like, for a long time, ballet is, like, the standard we measure things against. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the base of everything. And there's some, I mean, I still take ballet. I love it. But that's not the only way you get to somewhere, right? Like, 
I just think we need to like decolonize the whole situation and from the inside out because often in my experience within the Erie community has been a lack of value in community dance that what I do at Erie Homes is not as valuable as what's happening at say like anybody that's brought in to perform at Mercyhurst mm-hmm. space right and they're just as valuable mm-hmm. right well, th- I, I appreciate all of this information that I'm learning throughout dance because clearly I'm, I'm very wrong about a lot of different things. And I appreciate you. And I just want to say that um, first off. So how do you think we get more people involved in dance? Um, bringing it into the schools. That's, that's to me, really one of the best ways. And also making it more accessible where you don't have to go in a tuxedo to an event because that's limiting too, right? Mm-hmm. So it's one of the reasons um, nine years ago I started Midday Dance Breaks okay. in Perry Square. So it was the first grant I ever wrote and got funded through Erie Arts and Culture, and I partnered with the Crime Victim Center And the idea was that for six to eight weeks of the summer, on Thursdays at lunchtime, that people would have access to just happening upon a dance performance Mm -hmm. and a dance workshop in the park. Cool. So I hire various um, performance arts groups. I like to try to keep it more adults and various cultural dance forms. Mm -hmm. So we'll do hoop dancing sometimes, but then I'll also have Indian dancers come in or the break dancers come in or African dance and drumming. Um, so that people can happen upon this because sometimes you'll be in a coffee shop and maybe someone's playing music, right? Like you can happen upon music. Mm -hmm. You can also be out and about in a restaurant and see art that's created by local people, um, and happen upon that. But you don't usually happen upon dance. Like you don't usually go to dinner and then all of a sudden, like there's a surprise dance performance that's (laughs) happening. Like because it's in these elite spaces, right? So I wanted to bring it out of there and then help spread the mission of empowerment, which is through the Crime Victim Center and what they do because they do so much amazing stuff in our community. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing this now for nine years. Um, so we will have more midday dance breaks this summer on Thursdays in Perry Square. I can't wait. That sounds super exciting. I want to happen upon that. That sounds like the happiest stuff ever. Like. I don't know. I've never seen anybody that's like like dancing and or around that kind of energy and not just have a smile on their face. Yeah. Yeah. What's fun is each group, whoever is brought in to perform, they also then try to engage the community and get them up and dance as well and teach them that art form. Um, and we also usually have a visual artist in the park creating an original work oh, wow. inspired by what they're seeing. So sometimes it's the kids in the park that are the inspiration for the piece that has nothing to do with the dancers. But other times it's the dancers. And we've had everything from sculpture to paintings to interactive artists um, creating. And then those works go to the Crime Victim Center in September and are available for sale um, during the September gallery night. Awesome. Yeah. They're so great. I love the CVC really does a lot of really amazing work there. Yes. Um, and I feel like it's often overlooked how valuable therapeutically dance can be. Like I know that there have been different treatment centers um, that I've been to or worked at that have like a music and motion like therapy class where you go for an hour and you dance and there's like a professional dance instructor and you learn some things and you're able to just like move around and get some of those old traumas that are buried in our in our bodies you know out and uh it's definitely something that i think is like overlooked and not utilized to its full extent and obviously you can't make everybody do that some people aren't just gonna just not going to want to get involved with that kind of stuff but i think the people that do get involved with it and do have that open-mindedness and willingness to participate in something like that find tremendous value and tremendously positive results in uh, participating in something like that yeah and there are definitely therapeutic value and benefit to dancing um, but you can't call it therapy unless you are a certified dance and movement therapist and there's only seven schools in the nation that offer that program and we do not have a dance movement therapist that lives in the city of Erie. Okay. So what so. do you call it? You just call it a dance class? and They're just dance classes. Anyone right. that's trying to tell you they have a dance therapy class here in Erie is, is not being honest okay. about the reality. You can say there's a therapeutic benefit, but you can't call it therapy. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of people that are participating are finding it, you know, a therapeutic value. You know? Yeah. I think it's a great way to relieve stress, any sort of physical activity, whether it's lifting weights or dancing, yoga, you know, whatever people are into. 
and uh, it's really cool that you guys offer that kind of such. It sounds like a really in-depth program too. I mean, you got the dancers, you got the people, you got the CVC, you got the art that's being created on the spot. Yes, um, and so that's like a fun community event that brings people to dance. And then the other thing that, like, if you've never come and seen a Daft Mark show, you might think it's all just dance. Mm-hmm. But Daft Mark isn't just dance; it is a fusion of. We had live this last show, and for the past like eleven years, we've integrated live music, mm-hmm. poetry acting and there is a live piece of art created at every show that ties the whole thing together so often people think of daft mark oh it's dance but actually it is just dance is the the starting vehicle the Mm -hmm. choreography that's her language but it's a fusion of all of these things coming together Um, and that is one of the things that i think a lot of people don't realize is it's considered dance theater Mm -hmm. um, because it is this pulling in of all of these pieces and collaborating with other artists yeah that's that's really beautiful and definitely one of the things i enjoy when i um like see any sort of theater you know what i mean is like everybody dancing you know the choreographed movements and the beauty of everybody synchronizing to you know portray a message is really powerful i think in plays and in theater in general it's uh it's good stuff i think i love how malleable dance is yeah like in conjunction with the other arts like the do, like when someone's doing poetry okay at, at the f mark will there be people dancing while that's going on mm-hmm. see and that's what i love about it like you can't be reading a poem while like i don't know uh system of a downs you know playing you know or something like that or like there's a concert going on but you can infuse dance into almost uh, off the top of my head into any kind of like art performance and i and that's i think that's cool well dance is a very collaborative art form rarely is it done alone in a bubble right Mm -hmm. like often you have to collaborate with musicians you have to if you believe that you want to work with poetry like there's this fusion piece so even the last piece in the show um it was a poem written by jean Marc in response to what happened with the overturning of roe v wade um and so that was the catalyst for creating this piece that actually uses my hoop um so it's a hoop dance piece um definitely very strongly dance based uh not so trick based Mm -hmm. um but then we had preach freedom he was the person who actually was speaking the poem and walking around the stage while i'm performing the piece so there's this fusion of all of these creative pieces coming together right and and that connection i think is very valuable to learn in many other facets of like it's obviously dances um like a like a way for people to communicate and to see and to draw those connections that you might not ordinarily see because normally when I think of Roe v Wade I do not think of dancing but I or a hoop dance yeah but I do think it's especially beautiful (laughs) that people are able to express feelings related to that through a dance and through poetry and through movement in general and to find that cohesion between other like-minded people that are feeling the same because i i can't say i can't like write a poem about roe v wade and then have somebody at least for me personally i couldn't have somebody doing some really cheerful happy flowery dance around it you know that's a very upsetting yeah personal thing to me so i um finding that connection with another person to feel those emotions and to work through those things in a beautiful creative way is uh you know, just tremendously valuable to the community, to the people performing, to the people viewing the, the play as well. Where do you think? Uh, where do you think things are going with dance? What would you like to see things? How would you like to see it progress in Erie? Are you guys working with other studios, or do you guys have any collaborations with other people around here? So studios, like when I think of dance studios, that's like for children. Okay. Um, so we're a professional dance company, so we don't really, I have a couple hoop dance classes there, mm-hmm. but we're not teaching small children. Oh, okay. We're not a dance school sure. in that way, so it's more a space for professional artists, dancers, musicians, cool. um, and poets I, that want to come together. That's okay. We're learning here. Yeah. Exactly. I am um, trying to learn as much as I can. So it's a place where professional artists come together to have a voice and um, 
usually the artistic director is driving that, but everybody has a say and it mm-hmm. is very collaborative um, in that space. So she's open and willing to work with people. But one of the things um, that I've learned from her is people need to be curious enough mm-hmm. to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one thing I would like to see in the dance community is more people. So I'm not from Erie. Mm-hmm. I don't have any alliances or allegiances to studios, but a lot of people are raised, I went to this dance school and I go to this dance school and then they don't get along or they're not even seeing what someone else is creating. And they're just children. I mean, there's really shouldn't be that competition in that space, right? right? Um, So a lot of people, I would say, within the dance community kind of sit in these silos Mm -hmm. and they're not seeking out what's actually happening outside of their own little bubbles. And I would love people to be more curious to see what the more professional level people are doing. Mm -hmm. Come see a Daphmark show. Go see what Somar has done. Like, and really get to know. And then also leave Erie and go see some other big works. Like, Mm -hmm. it's important to see all of the levels. Because if you only see at this lower level, at the student level, you're not going to know what's out there, right? So if you really are interested in dancing, like, that's my thing, is go be curious and go see everything. Mm -hmm. It might be great, it might be awful, but you're going to learn from all of it. So as, like, a professional dancer, what's your experience like watching another um, dance theater perform? So Um, do you feel like it's, like, a learning experience for you, or is it something that you just more have appreciation for or, like, to check out? Is it inspiring? I mean, it can be, and it can be trash, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's a bad show. It depends. It's like anything, right? Like, there's great theater. There's great dance there's awful theater there's awful dance there's awful visual art there's bad music right like yeah and some of that's your own taste as well right mm-hmm. so maybe it's done really well but it's just like not for you mm-hmm. so it's not that i have one static response to something sure. um yeah so it's a little bit of everything at once throwing the name title uh, so like if i'm and, and if this is not in your wheelhouse because I'm learning to here as well. So say like I go and I watch a performance at Daft Mark or I go to like New York or you know somewhere and see something that's incredibly inspiring. And as an adult, I'm like you know I want to try this out. Is there like any out any avenues I can take? Like do you have anything that you offer to people that want to maybe be professional or like maybe not even professional but want to learn to to better express themselves through dance that aren't children i mean there definitely are adult dance classes for like beginners available in this city um and there's and i would say even daffy's adult movement class like if you just want to move your body in a really healthy way and learn how to maintain your body Mm -hmm. and build some strength and flexibility like that's a beautiful class to take um and it's moving it's not like your traditional it's not like you're lifting weights like this like it's a fluid moving way like I don't even know how to describe the class because exercise class is not a great name for it. But if you took like Pilates and yoga and some ballet and modern and put some swinging in there and stirred it in a pot like that, that's I feel like what her class is. So if I never did any of that, uh, would I still, you know, I could still go in there and take that class? You could. You would just have to call her ahead of time and let her know you were coming because she likes to prepare a class that... You can do, because if it's everybody that typically comes, she knows what they're capable of. But if it's mm-hmm. someone new, she'll pull it back a little. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's good to know, because I would just show up and just be like, oh, yeah. boy, I'm lost. <laughs> it's not yeah. like a yeah. pop-in yeah. style. Yeah. Right. No. Okay. Good. And what if, I'm, uh, what if I have lost touch with dance, and I was a former dancer in high school or maybe in college, and I'm looking to get back into it because I'm feeling inspired? Is there avenues for me to travel? Definitely. Yeah, to definitely return to it, uh-huh. for sure. I mean, that's a lot of people that have danced with Daft Mark. I feel like that was their journey. Like, maybe they took a break or they got to it a little late. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, if there's a commitment and an interest in that way, there's definitely opportunities. Right. Yeah. And uh, where are some places 
that uh when is your guys like next show do you guys have anything in the so works we work for a year on a show on one show wow yes so we do a work in progress show in november so you see kind of like an outline or like mm-hmm. um a couple of the pieces but maybe it's not the costumes we're going to eventually use or maybe it's not even the music we're going to be using mm-hmm. fully um and then it continues to transform and be worked on and then in the spring is when we have our show so it's not something it's a long that's a big production yes and we do it for one weekend i totally respect how hard you guys go on all of your stuff like this uh dancing in the community sounds like a huge production i mean there's dancers there's an artist there's cvc you know all these moving parts and to work on one thing for a year seems like a such a respectable and cool commitment to me i just think it's completely opposite of like the tiktok dance culture um and so we have this idea of like i can learn this dance in 30 minutes it's like okay you might be able to learn it but like first of all it's not that hard but second (laughs) of all um how how well are you doing it right and like what does it mean like it's just fun that's fine it's cute tiktok's fun but like that is not what dance is so i think it's interesting that we can still have people that are committed to this process of really diving into and developing something with a lot of intention um sitting next to the society that like loves these like short form 30 second tiktok uh, yeah, videos 10 second whatever yeah like, right it, it's uh it's a testament to to patience and hard work that just is really evaporating in different parts of the society the tiktok culture the that TikTok we live society in. yeah and yeah, but it's what makes things good like and quality like oh, yeah otherwise it all gets watered down and like then we think mediocrity is okay yeah i i totally agree and it seems like the goal is less having good things and or like really fine top quality dance and it's more about the quantity of how much content we can pump out on tiktok and creating new dances for people to learn and to practice or to figure out in 30 minutes so they can make a video that gets 10,000 likes and 50 million views in you know on a daily basis and it's cool that you guys are still doing what you're doing (laughs) in opposed to that because like maybe it's a difference in generations or maybe it's just part of me growing up and getting older and starting to realize that um, having an intention and working slowly towards a goal is so much more rewarding to me personally than a 30-minute task that I can accomplish with a little bit of, you know, patience and dedication versus the long-term striving towards something that's really incredible that I can sink my teeth into, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, what the beauty of arts are, is, like, this long journey of a process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And putting your time in and developing these thoughts and emotions and having something more than just looking cool or an interesting motion. You know what I mean? It has purpose and it has meaning that you guys have spent a whole year developing and processing and putting your time and effort and blood and sweat and tears and everything else and working with other people too yes which is its own challenge in and of itself all the time whether it's work or whether it's a creative production like what you're doing at daft mark or you know just any daily life learning how to interact and um collaborate with people is something that i feel like is tremendously undervalued and covid i think had a big impact on that too it kind of isolated people and kept us in a little tiny bubble rather than you know learning how to cooperate with each other and collaborate with each other to reach goals that we wouldn't be able to reach by ourselves yeah and i agree that covid changed a lot of things so covid um actually is the reason for Duffmark's newest community outreach program Mm -hmm. so we have erie homes which is old 22 years of partnership right Um, But during COVID, because I essentially lost all of my jobs, teaching at school, 
panels and um, performing and all of that. Like all of these things require people right. together in spaces, right? So all of the things I've been self-employed for 11 years were pummeled, right? That must have been so scary for you. It was, but it also provided space mm -hmm. to like reevaluate things um, and see what's working and what isn't and what's serving me, right? And learn how to relax. That's a skill I'm still working on. Um, but someone sent me something and it was a bid to, to write a bid for the housing authority hmm. to run an art center. Oh, wow. And okay. I was like, oh. I was like, oh, I'll write a dance program for it. And then when I read it, I was like, oh, that's not what they're looking for. They want you to build the whole program. Oh, wow. They want you to construct this program that will run year-round and serve kids that live in public housing and run for four hours every day um, on this budget that was available. And I was like... I can do that. Like so I wrote I designed this whole program because throughout all these years and collaborating with different artists and meeting different people, I'm like I know incredible teaching artists who do great work in the community um, bringing their arts to children. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to build this art center around that idea that community-based teaching artists would come in once a week and teach the art form they specialize in um, to the kids out there. And we won the bid. So wow. January of 2021, I launched the Dothmar Creative Art and Library Center, and that's located out at the John Horan Garden Apartment. So it's right on the campus at Public Housing um, where 400 families live, and there's hundreds of kids. And um, in both years, 2021, 2022, we served over 150 youth. Woo. I employed over 25 you. teaching artists each year. Um, across mediums. So it is theater and dance, of course, but there's also music. We've had violin, cello, general music education, um, ceramics, painting, photography, stop motion animation. And then one of the coolest classes is this creative constructed construction class that Sarah Howard is teaching and she um, teaches kids as young as six years old how to use power tools mm. um, and taking scrap found objects to build functional art objects. So they have built their own lamps. They have collectively built this bench that's pretty cool um, out of an old bed frame and they're like they, they use the saws, they use the drills, they um, wired all of the lamps and the lights and stuff. So um, that's like been my COVID project that started as this thing that I would never have had the time to take on if that didn't exist. So now we're imparting that knowledge and that commitment and that collaboration and critical thinking and socialization um, to all these kids. That's so awesome. Right. Um, especially since over the last several years, you know, Erie has very much struggled with um, uh, people living in poverty at high rates and, you know, having the on the record poorest zip code in in the country um so with these people there are these children that are just such in need of these programs and these opportunities to express themselves and collaborate and learn it's got to be such a rewarding thing to do yeah i i, I enjoy it the kids are great they're awesome um 44 of kids in the city of erie live in poverty mm -hmm. by the way wow. um and it's we think of poverty as this thing that like someone deserves or earned or whatever, but there's so many different ways you end up in that situation that have nothing to do with the choices that you've made in your life. Mm -hmm. And if anyone ever wants to dive into poverty in the United States and understand that a little bit better, there's a great book called Invisible Child um, that this woman, she's essentially a journalist who followed this one child for 10 years eight to ten years, um, but it's an incredible book to understand the situation of poverty in the United States. Um, but I love being out there, and it's providing opportunities like I had. I, I got to dance when we really couldn't afford or, like, didn't have that opportunity, and I shouldn't be the ex the exception or this special case. Right. Everybody should have access to these things. Like, mm -hmm. it shouldn't just be because you can afford to send your kid to art lessons, right? And sure, another absolutely. hindrance, yes, we do have some programs that are free to the community in the city that do art programming, and that's lovely, but then transportation is the challenge, right? Sure. That you need to pick them up at a certain time or you need to drop them off and get them there, and that's challenging. Not everybody has a car. Not everybody is able to do that, and being located right where somebody lives 
space and they can walk over, it eliminates the transportation barrier barrier and the cost barrier. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I think is really cool about that setting and the housing authority's vision to have an art center because this is their idea. I didn't, I wrote the bid, but I didn't create the idea. They believe in providing opportunities for kids to give them things to do that are healthy outlets, to give them opportunities they've never had otherwise. Absolutely. And I feel like that creativity is something that is often lost in traditional education. You know what I mean? Fill in the right box. Sit in your desk. Don't you leave when you're supposed to. You eat lunch when you're supposed to. You're supposed to do this. You have to learn this knowledge to pass the PSSAs or whatever else it is, this test. And being able to offer a creative way for people to express themselves or even just to think about things in a creative way is a tremendous value that is often overlooked, I think. Yeah, and that's one of the huge reasons why I decided to take this on is because I think the arts have so much va- add so much value to the education system. It's mm-hmm. why I've been a teaching artist for years. Um, but I did see that. So in the first year of running this, I noticed how underperforming the students we were serving were academically, mm-hmm. which um, is problematic for their long term success. Right. Sure. So. Um, I, I looked at ways, how can we help them academically? Cause we do support them with homework and things like that, but mm-hmm. everyone in there isn't necessarily a certified teacher to help them with their, the way math is taught currently. Right. Sure, yeah. Um, so I decided and found a grant to write, um, to try to add an ac- a more focused academic component for serving our youth. And um, it's called the 21st Century Community Learning Centers. It's the only federally funded after-school program um, funds that are available throughout the nation. So I applied through the Pennsylvania Department of Education because I was seeing this gap and this need for our kids. And we were awarded that um, starting... So in the fall of 2022 is when we were awarded it. And then we launched that program um, in January, January 30th of this year. So I was able to, because of the grant, it's a five-year grant. It enables me to hire an education specialist who that is her job is to help on whether it's reading or math or whatever areas they're struggling with. And we have worked with the Erie School District to identify 50 of the lowest performing students that attend Edison or East. That's what the grant is for, is to target those two schools because that's the neighborhood we're serving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And still um, focusing on kids that live in public housing um, and providing this service where they get one-on-one tutoring. And it's supposed to be once a week, but because we're still recruiting, they're essentially getting one-on-one tutoring almost daily. Wow, that's great. It has already, like, it's hard to move the needle with test scores. Like, that's really challenging to do to make a dent. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that happened within the first month is a parent came in and she was like, I need to tell you guys, her teacher said that she's raised a reading level already one month of programming. Like it just takes intentional choices. So we also, because of this grant are able to track the outcomes of this program. So we're working with Penn state core and they're a third party evaluator. Mm -hmm. So over five years at the end of five years, we're going to be able to say, this is what arts education and one-on-one tutoring does for our kids academically, socially, all of these pieces. So that's amazing. Yes, it is. It's so, is there like an age range? Um, we start six is the youngest Mm -hmm. and then we don't have a cap for the oldest, but really like if I'm honest, 11 and 12 year olds are probably the oldest that have come. Um, we really haven't tapped into the middle school market like we would like to. So if there are children that attend East that are struggling academically, like they can sign up for our program because we would really like to serve middle school students as well, because that's a really important time. Sure. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of Edison students, and we are still taking them, too. Um, but we would like to reach some of the middle school students as well. It's so. amazing. Yeah. Jen, I feel like I've learned so much about dance, this um, podcast. And I've learned so much about the good things that you're doing personally and the things that are going on around here. And I really appreciate what you do and what Daphmark does and the things that are going on. So thank you for being amazing. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. This has been fun. Is there anything, any way you want to put out there for people to contact you or for people to find out about Daphmark or any shows that are going on? Um, they can go to our website. If you just Google Daphmark, you're going to find us. Um, 
And show-wise, again, November and then in the spring are usually our traditional shows for the Daff Mark Dance Theater. And then the kids have an art show in the fall. So you can, we typically have it at City Gallery because I think it's important to be in a professional gallery space. Mm -hmm. Last year we hung 300 pieces of art that were available. The community can come. We have live music, food, so that the kids can see what an opening looks like. And then you get to interact with them and ask them about the art that they've created. And then 50% of any piece sold actually goes to the child that made it. Awesome. Um, and then the other 50% goes back to buying supplies for the art center. Cool. Um, so that's something people can look out for as well. And if they want to donate, we do have an Amazon wish list for the art center too. And if people want to find the dance in Perry Square, when when does that happen? Um, it is Thursdays. Um, I'll give you the dates right now. Just give you one second. Okay. So the first one is June 15th. So it's going to be June 15th, June 22nd, June 29th, July 6th, July 13th, and July 20th. Okay. So June and July on those days. Thursdays at noon. From noon to one. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Take that lunch break and go enjoy some weather and some dance. Yeah, Yeah, bring your lunch. You can watch some dance. You can get up and try out some dance. Um, This year we definitely have hoop dancing, of course, but we also have Sukanya Berman. She is Mm. an Indian dancer, so she will be coming for one of the weeks. And then um, we have Kennedy Thompson from One World Tribe. Um, doing African drumming and dancing. So he's not going to be dancing, but last year they brought a dancer. So um, she'll be teaching the dancing. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you guys. Thank you everybody out there for listening. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters and all of our sponsors out there. You guys are the best. You guys keep us going. If anybody wants to be a Patreon supporter, there's a few different levels. It's, um, we would totally appreciate it. And if you guys appreciate us, it's a great way to say thanks for what we're doing. Um, check out the links below. Check out all of our sponsors' links, too. Hit them up for stuff. And uh, we love you guys. We love you all. Peace. Peace.